Hallelujah. You may please be seated. God bless you. That's how to start your morning. Shout in your house, run around your room. Let the neighbors know a child of God is here and the glory days are here. This is God's property. No armed robber comes around here. No armed robber comes around where you live because you live there and because you are God's property. Amen. We have supernatural exemption by redemption. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I'm going to start from there. Victory by the blood is the title of the message, part two. So note, if you're writing, we have supernatural exemption by redemption. By redemption. Go to Exodus and chapter 12. I'll show you a typical example of an exemption. There was a massive destruction of firstborn all through the land, all through the coasts, the length and breadth of the nation Egypt. Meanwhile, God's children, the children of Israel, were granted supernatural exemption. So evil happening around you doesn't have to come to you. By the blood. By the blood. When the destroyer saw the blood, it went somewhere else where he didn't see the blood. Isn't this why we ought to be covered by the blood every day and why we ought to take communion regularly and why we ought to walk by faith and walk in love and why we have to walk in obedience. The blood works in a place where there is obedience. It doesn't work for the disobedient. Exodus chapter 12. And I'm going to start from verse 1 this morning. Glory be to God. It was time for their deliverance. So God came to Moses. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, singing, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. Can I have an amen? amen. It shall be the first month of the year to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Some of you are saying this is 2022. I haven't seen any good thing happen for me. It is going to happen this month. I said it is going to happen this month. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goat, and you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. That was the time of the evening sacrifice. And they shall take of the blood and strike it. They don't drink it, they strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. All right? And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. God was giving them specific instructions. Don't eat it raw or sodden at all with water, but roast with fire. His head and with his legs and with the pertinence thereof, and you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, you shall burn with fire. 
And thus shall ye eat it. This is how you're going to eat it. With your loins guarded. Your loins guarded with the belt of truth. Your shoes on your feet for the preparation of the gospel. This is a messianic scripture. And your staff in your hand. The word of God, the sword of the spirit. And you shall eat it in haste. You shall eat it. Pa, pa, pa. Eat it in haste. You know why? It is the Lord's Passover. Where are we going, Lord? Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. I've been telling you that I would come. I would come and deliver you. I would come for you. But tonight, I'm going to come. I pass through the land of Egypt this night. And will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. Now, when God said I will smite, the word there is used in the permissive, not in the causative. God wasn't going to be the one to actively do the smiting. He would permit it because these guys had set themselves against the Lord. Not that he was the one to actually carry it out, as we will see later in the scripture. All right? And um, I'd like you to notice, God said, I will execute judgment upon the gods of Egypt. Egypt was serving about 2,000 gods at this time. I don't know how many gods Nigeria has, but nobody could rival Egypt as of this time. 2,000 gods. They were in control of the land. In fact, they were in control even of Pharaoh himself. Because every time Pharaoh would say, okay, you guys can go. Go and worship your God. He will run after them again. I said, don't go. Come back here. How can I let you go? Because the gods were controlling him. He was under their influence. So much so that even after this event, when their firstborn had been smitten, I mean, you would think that this guy should think now. They've killed your firstborn. All the firstborn in the land have died. That should be the final straw. Guess what? When... They were leaving. Pharaoh called his army together again. I said, ah, what came over us? Was it because our firstborn died? That's pursued, Jerry. Because the gods were still in charge. But God said, don't worry about them. I know how to deal with them. I'm going to execute judgment upon them. So it was stage by stage until the end of Pharaoh. Now, verse 13 and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses. Look, don't drink the blood, but let it be a token upon your houses where you are. <laughs> don't go to someone else's house. Stay in your house. Stay at home. And let the blood be upon the two side posts and upon the lintel of your house. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Verse 14. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Now go to verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop now, hyssop was a, a vegetable, kind of, some kind of grass that was found in the Middle East at the time. It was cheap. It was easy to get. It's like when you say elef elephant grass. 
Why would God choose Hesop? Now, let me read this verse and, and then I will explain to you what God said to them to do. Now, Moses said, and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of, the, of his house until the morning. So this was it. Kill the animal, roast it with fire. You're going to eat the meat because it is the lost Passover and you're going to have to eat it in a hurry. Eat it with your belt being put on, fully dressed. You have your shoes on, like you are ready for war. It's not the kind of food you eat while you undress yourself and then when you're done eating, you're not going to dress up. No, dress up, ready to go because the Lord is ready to release you. So get ready to go, all right? Now, having killed the animal and you have roasted the meat, the blood, don't drink it. Put the blood of the animal. You, you empty the blood into a basin. But the blood in the basin cannot protect you. The blood in the basin cannot help you. So you need to go and get hyssop. Hyssop was everywhere. So go get it. Very easy to get. Cheap, cheap vegetable, cheap grass. Get it. But that, that was what the Lord chose. You see, sometimes God chooses things that are despised by people. In fact, God uses people who are not qualified. If you think you're qualified for the ministry, God is not going to use you. But the people who think they are nobody, they don't know anybody, they are not connected, those are the people that God chooses to place his grace upon. Paul captured this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 25. You know your calling, brethren, how that not many noble among you are called. Not many of noble birth, not many mighty. You see, God uses the weak things of this world to confound the things that are exalted among men. So the way people see things is usually not the way God sees things. His up was just a, an inconsequential grass. But that night, it became a sign qua non to the children of Israel. It became a celebrity grass overnight. Because God said, use his up. You don't go and get elephant grass. You don't go and get hibiscus flower. God said, his up. The blood of Jesus works where there is obedience. Don't go into the wrong place and cover yourself with the blood of Jesus. As I enter the club tonight to drink another round of, of alcohol, I cover myself with the blood of Jesus. Don't see money on the road, which is not your money, and take it, covering it. I cover this money, this 1,000, with the blood of Jesus. When you become, it is well with your soul. Don't step into the territory of the enemy. Covering yourself with the blood when the Lord has given you a word that you are, you are not supposed to be there. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me, church, this morning? So, they got hyssop. And the hyssop was used like a sponge to get the blood from the basin to the doorposts and the lintel. Because how would the blood in the basin get there? They needed a hyssop. Stain the hyssop with blood, strike it on the two doorposts, strike it on the lintel, and you were fine. Instruction number two, stay in the house. Let me tell you, neighbor, this morning, say, stay in the house. All night, Moses said, don't go out. After you have eaten the Passover, and you've done the striking of the blood, stay indoors. Don't say, I want the poo-poo, I want the poo-poo, I need to go out. Hey, if you went out, and you got slain with the enemies, that's your, what you see is what you get, or what you get is what you see. 
You know, many, many times we are so disobedient. God says this, no, we want to do that. God says don't go there, that's the, way, that's the place you want to go to. God says don't eat that, they say that's what I want to eat. God says don't wear that, I say no, that's what I like to wear. Get out of that relationship, that's the one I want. The blood covers as long as you walk in obedience. If any of the children of Israel had gone out that night, because in the midnight, while everybody was sleeping and snoring, the destroyer came. God wasn't the destroyer. The destroyer had his flaming sword in his hand. And I could hear, and men were sleeping. Who was the destroyer? Not God. Go to verse um, 29. Verse 29. Okay, no. Let's, let's take verse 23 first. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel, and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door, and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. Verse 29. And it came to pass at midnight, when men were sleeping, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, Unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the cattle. Pardon me. Uh, read, let's go back to verse 23 because you need to see that the Lord was not the one doing the smiting. And that's in verse 23. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord, yad heh vav will pass over the door. That's one. Two. And will not suffer, will not allow, will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. Is the Lord the destroyer right here? Come on, talk to me, church. No. But is the one to not permit the destroyer. When he sees the blood, he will pass over your house and then will not allow the destroyer. Hey, if I pass over, you can't go in. That's divine exemption. See what happened in the midnight. Verse 29. Came to pass that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. Even cattle gave back to firstborn, firstborn died. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians. <laughs> and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Picture this. In the whole country, there was not one house where there was not at least one dead. If there were 10 firstborns in a particular house, 10 people died that night. I grew up in Mokola where we had about 10 families in one house. My family was one family. I happened to be the firstborn in my family. Another family opposite us. Another family next to us at the backyard. Another family. The other side, another family. I can picture the house where I was born now. There were at least about six to seven families or eight families in the house where I was born. All living in rented apartments. Can you imagine that? And there was not a family where the firstborn didn't die. 
But this destroyer got to the same, the homes of the children of Israel. And as he saw the blood, the Lord passed over. The destroyer also passed over and would not go in. Just because of the blood of an animal. The Bible calls that animal a lamb. L-A-M-B. And they also call it the Passover. Fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus Christ went to the cross, shed his blood for the redemption of our souls and remission of our sins. Hebrews chapter 9. And you read verse 15, verse 22, etc., etc. You find it all there. The Bible calls him our Passover. In the New Testament, so let's go to 1 Corinthians 5, 7. I'd like you to see that for yourself. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Say, purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, be a new creature, new being, as you are unleavened. For Christ, even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Now, their own Passover, they ate the flesh, but they didn't drink the blood. You remember? Are you with me, church? Do you remember they didn't drink the blood? What did they do with the blood? They put it on the doorposts and on the lintel. But in the New Testament, we are permitted to eat the flesh of our Passover and to drink the blood. Amen. That's why the New Testament, the New Covenant is stronger than the Old Covenant. We have the fullness of God in us. They couldn't carry the fullness of God in them. The Spirit of God came on them, on the priest, on the kings, and the prophet. Used them and left. In the New Testament, it comes inside us and dwells in us. God in us. Can I have an amen to that? If you understand what you carry, if you only knew what you carry, you will behave better. And you will operate on a higher pedestal. Having a revelation of the Christ in you, the hope of glory. Don't look forward to shame. Look forward to glory every day. Because you carry Christ in you. Can I have an amen to that? Glory be to God. Alright, so this is what Christ has done for us. And I showed them a process in the first service. Let me quickly show you the process also in this service. And then we'll take the communion and then we'll go. Hallelujah. So who is our Passover? Who is our Passover? In Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Quickly look at that. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. The Bible says our Passover, that's Christ, has, sorry, is about to redeem us from the curse of the law. Is he about to redeem us from the curse of the law? What has he done? He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Been made a curse for us. Been made a curse in our place. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us through Jesus Christ. We who are Gentiles. The blessing will come through Jesus Christ and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Let me show you also one more thing that Christ has done for you. There are Christians today looking for deliverance all over the place. You are already delivered. Say, I am already delivered. Oh, Pastor Fred, you don't know the kind of family I come from. Ah, every woman is a witch in our family. They are disturbing me now. Ancestral curses. That's why I'm not yet married. I don't have a relationship. No relationship works. When I have a relationship, it breaks. When I start a business, it, it, it fails. When I do this, hey, hey, hey. And then your reality is the curse. Your reality is not supposed to be the curse. Your reality is supposed to be the blessing. 
Because Christ took the curse on himself so that you bear the blessing. You don't have to take the curse on yourself anymore. And if you were in this church last week, I told you the threefold cord of the curse. You remember that? Spiritual separation from God and physical early death. Dying young is a manifestation of the curse. Jesus took it on himself. He died young, so you might live long. He only died, he's not dead. Can I have an amen? Because he rose again. He took the keys of hell and of death. And the keys are with him. Can I have an amen to that? Never be afraid. Being haunted by the fear of death. You might die this year. You might die anytime soon. And people are caged. Let me show you Revelation 1, 17 and 18. Go there quickly. Revelation 1, 17 and 18. In fact, 1, 18. Media, can you go there? Quick, quick, real quick. Re let's read everybody. One to go. Make it louder. I am he that liveth and was dead. Did he say, I am dead? What did he say? I was dead, but I am living. I am alive. I am he that liveth. Liveth means lives. I'm he who lives and was dead. Yeah, go on. And behold, I am alive for 10 years. I'm alive for 100 years. For how long? Forevermore. And he said, Amen. And I have what keys? The keys of hell and of death. Jesus, our Savior, has the keys of hell and of death. So when death comes calling and he says, I'm going to take you today. I'm going to take you this year. I'm going to take you at 29. You're not going to be 30. You're not going to be 40. I'm going to take you early. Tell it to shut up. You don't have the keys anymore. Hallelujah. Death doesn't have the keys anymore. Satan doesn't have the keys anymore. The Lord Jesus has it now. And because he has it, he's not going to use it against you. It's a very simple picture. If your dad has a gun, glory be to God. I said glory be to God. If your dad has a gun in the house and he keeps it in the safe, the bedside safe, did he buy the gun to kill you? Waiting for the day you make a mistake and it's going to blow your head off. He bought it for you. What do I mean? He bought it to protect you. So when the armed robbers come, if they ever come, he's going to use it against them to protect his family. Jesus has taken the keys of hell and of death. As I'm speaking to you right now, the keys are no longer in the pocket of Satan. They used to be in the pocket of Satan. And he will kill anybody anyhow. And he's still killing those who are not in Christ. That's why if you are not in Christ, you are not safe. But for those who run to Christ, the keys of hell and of death are with the lover of your soul and he's not going to use that against you. Amen? Nigeria has weapons. Like Russia has weapons. Ukraine has weapons. Are those weapons meant to destroy the citizens of our country? No. But in case Ghana wakes up tomorrow and decides to fight us, we will show them that we also have weapons. Then we'll fight the enemy off. The weapons that we have in our arsenal are not meant to destroy our citizens under normal circumstances. Is that right? 
Jesus has the keys of hell and death. Remember that next time you're on a bike, even though I've told you don't take a bike, don't take a bike. I know some of you still bike. The Lord will have mercy on your soul. But the next time you're on one or you're on a plane and you're afraid and the devil says, well, the plane just might crash. And when the plane crashes, you have no chances. You're about 33,000 feet altitude above sea level. <laughs> that's, not, that's no joke. Hey, tell him you don't have the keys anymore. Ask for a cup of juice and drink it. I say, Mr. Devil, you don't have the keys anymore. Stop acting like you have the keys. You don't have it anymore. You and I know you don't have it anymore. Amen. Amen. And Satan doesn't like it when you taunt him like that. And when he reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. What's his future? He's going to hell. He will leave you alone. Can I have an amen to that? That's how we live as Christians. Not living in fear. And running from pillar to post looking for deliverance. Daddy, daddy please deliver me. Daddy, you are delivered already. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Go there quick, real quick. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Let me show somebody. Somebody doesn't know that they are delivered. I want to show you you are delivered. Stop looking for deliverance. Your name is OJ. Stop trying to bear your name. OJ, God, make me OJ. Make me OJ. Make, you are already OJ. Leave out your name. Amen? You're already Daniel. Leave out your name. You're David. Leave out your name. Don't say, Lord, Lord, make me David. Lord, make me David. I have to be David. Oh, Lord, make me David. By all the power with which you call you God, make my name David. Shut up, David. You may pray that 55 years. God won't answer you because your name is already David. You will say, Gabriel, Gabriel, Speak some common sense into that guy. Let him know that his name is David. Colossians 1.13. I want this to sink. Read it out loud, everybody. Who is about to deliver us from the power of darkness? What has he done? He has delivered who? Are you part of the us? Are you delivered already? So why are you going about looking for deliverance? Oh, pastor, you don't understand. The ogun, ogun, delay in our family. The warfare. Forget about that. Focus on what Jesus has done. Some churches talk more about the devil than they talk about Jesus. And the devil likes that because it's cheap publicity you are giving him. In one prayer meeting, one hour prayer meeting, you pray 55 minutes about the devil. Every power from home, every housewife from home, every evil cockroach, what's that you still waiting for? So much so, die, die, die. Every evil hand, monitoring my progress. Monitoring my progress. Why are they monitoring your progress? How come they are able to monitor your progress if your progress is in Christ? If you are in Christ and Christ is hidden in God, how come they are able to scan God and scan Christ and find your destiny inside Christ? You are yet destiny in hell. How come? Pastor, we don't pray enough in our church. Ah, in some churches, you know, they pray, they pray, go, they pray, go and sweat. We pray. I pray. I love prayer. I advocate prayer. But praying the right way is what is important, not praying the wrong way, which will never get God's attention. The only prayer God listens to is the one that he hears. The only prayer he hears is the one prayed according to his will. First John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that whatsoever we ask according to his will, he hears us, psalmist. If we pray not according to his will, he will not hear us. He will see our mouth moving. But he can't hear what you're saying. Then you ask that your people from your family should die. God will ask, is that according to my will? No, if it's not according to my will, you're wasting time. 
I thought the Bible even says that when the ways of a man please the Lord, <laughs> it will cause even his enemies to be at peace with him. You know what that means? Your enemies will work for you. They won't know why. I just thought I should help you. I just thought maybe you might need help in this area. I said, oh yeah, go, go ahead and do it. They will take up tasks for you. God is giving you sweatless triumphs. May God give you sweatless triumphs. God wins battles without shooting an arrow, without firing a bullet. All right. Go back to that Colossians. Who has delivered us? Colossians 1.13. From the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Do you know what it means to be translated into the kingdom of his dear son? You have switched kingdoms. When you get a visa for the UK and you buy a flight ticket and you get on the plane and you fly and you land in Heathrow and they check your passport, you go through the border agencies, they ask you what you have come to do, how long you want to stay, what you, you know, a few questions and they say welcome to the UK and they take your passport and stamp it and you go through the border agencies. And your family member is waiting in the airport to pick you up. And they put you in the car. And they drive you to Chelmsford. Or drive you somewhere to London or outside London. And you get home. And as you're about to enter your cousin's apartment or your uncle's apartment, a man shows up. He's black. The color of his skin is black. He has tribal marks. And he shows up and says, you're under arrest. And you say, for what? I'm a policeman from Nigeria. I have your arrest warrant. You know what you're going to do? Pull him into your uncle's house. Beat him up. Beat him real good. Give him thorough beating. Because no Nigerian police is permitted to arrest you in the United Kingdom. This is not the Federal Republic of Nigeria. This is the United Kingdom of Great Britain and, and Wales. Amen. The laws of Nigeria don't operate in the UK. In fact, we drive on the right, they drive on the left. So if, if you go drive and then you hit someone and say, why did you do that? You say, well, I'm sorry, we, we drive on the right, where I'm coming from. We drive on the left here, yeah, you're going to be arrested and you're going to pay fine. Maybe 500 pounds or 1,000 pounds. The laws of your country don't work here. When we were under the dominion of Satan, sickness and disease dominated us. Poverty and lack dominated us. Perversion, all kind of sexual perversion dominated our lives. Depression dominated our lives. Now we are in Christ and if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away and all things have become new. Can I have an amen? amen. So it is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that should work in our lives now. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying, church? I'll show you one more scripture. Colossians 2, and go to verse 14. Verses 14 and 15. Colossians chapter 2. It's a good place to tie it up. And we'll look at three more scriptures, and we are done, and we take the communion. I'm helping, am, I, am I helping anybody today? All of those family curses, ancestral curses, ancestral, etc. Colossians 2, 13. 2.13. Let's read 13. And you've been dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh as he quickened together with him, having forgiven you some of your trespasses. 
Dara, how much of your trespasses has Christ forgiven you? Church? According to the scripture, how much of your trespasses? How much is all? But in Yoruba we pray. They just say, Uncle, bless the food. You are repenting of sins of the forefathers. The food has gone cold. He has forgiven all of our trespasses, past, present, future. So we should walk in the liberty of the children of God, not to use our liberty as an occasion to sin anymore. So don't get it twisted. Because this is where I have issues with the hyper-grace gospel. The fact that we have been forgiven does not mean that we should now live recklessly. We are to live unto the Lord. He lived for us and died for us. We are also supposed to live for him. You'll find that in 1 Corinthians 5, maybe 15 or 20. But don't go there yet. Let's, 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 let's finish up this now. Alright? Now, verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. That was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Every handwriting of ordinance that was written against you. The devil hates you so much. He wrote so many things against you. He's going to die young. He's going to die of crack. He's going to die of accident. He's going to be homeless. He will never become anything in life. She will be barren. She will die a day before her birthday or one week to her wedding. Like you see in the news now, very common. They say, a lady in Kaduna died of stray bullets. And somebody was abducted in the Abuja Kaduna train and, and was supposed to travel a week, a week to a trip. And somebody, somebody was supposed to give birth. Somebody was supposed to have a wedding. God doesn't do things like that. It's the devil. Are you getting what I'm saying now? All of those handwriting of ordinances that were written against you, you know what Jesus did? When he went to the cross and shed his blood and emptied his blood, he wiped out everything. He wiped your slate clean. Can I have an amen? Somebody said, my slate is clean now. But that is only for those who have been washed by the blood. Those who have surrendered their heart to Jesus. No matter what you have committed, what offense you've committed, the day you surrender to Jesus, your slate is wiped clean. But if you choose to continue to live in sin, now you are setting yourself up for destruction. You're setting yourself up. I don't have the time to explain to you what I explained to them in the first service. Of the spiritual dimension catching up with the physical. The spiritual dimension. Let me tell you. I don't mind. Let me tell you. I know we're closing soon. But have you got this? Have you got this? This Colossians 2.14. The Bible says he nailed it to his cross. Alright? And then... Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Jesus went to hell so that you will not go to hell. He ripped Satan of his powers and all of his authority and took the keys of hell and of death and he nailed the handwriting against you to, the, to his own cross and then granted you a new beginning. Can I have an amen to that? So you are a new man in Christ and you are curse free. You are curse free. You are not cursed anymore. You are blessed. Can I have an amen? amen? So one prophet from a white garment 
setting comes to your family and tells you, you know you. You need to have a bath in the river because there's a special curse on you and you need to light seven candles, seven nights. Hey, 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 tell him, tell him Jesus already went to the cross. He nailed every handwriting of ordinance that was written against me to his cross. So if you want to see all the curses in my life, past, present, and future, go to the cross. Can I have an amen? amen. Carry that mentality. That's why you are failing jam. That's why you have not gained admission. Because there is a curse. There is a curse. There are people that will always point your attention to the curse. Even if a fly lands on your head. Ah! That's the curse. House fly. You mean as you were going to your bedroom, the fly landed on your head. Pastor. Pastor, I ate in the dream. I, ah! Who prepared the food? I don't know, sir. They just gave me, ah! Was it okele, muscle, or spoon, like rice? No, it was muscles. Ah! How many muscles did you take? How many? Sir, I finished your, ah! They magnified the curse. We are not saying that the devil is not active, still trying to do his business of stealing, killing, and destroying. But Jesus has come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Can I have an amen to that? Amen. Even if you dream and you saw yourself in a coffin, get up and praise God. It has been nailed to the cross. So you tell them, go to the cross. It's been nailed. Amen? amen. Say, it's been nailed. David, what if you don't see your next birthday? It's been nailed. I'm going to see my next birthday. I, 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 I've made a pact with God. It's 120. <laughs> Glory be to God. Uh, what about the symptoms in your body? Uh, it can kill you. It's been nailed. It's been nailed. Jesus bore all the symptoms in his body and they were nailed with him to the cross. Glory be to God. Have the mentality of a victor, not a victim. Every little thing. Ah, ah, maybe they are trying to get me. They are trying to get me. They are trying. They will get you eventually. If you are living like that. But leave us free. Amen. I said leave us free. Because Jesus has paid for your freedom. This is no joke. This is the core. Of our Christianity. In wrapping up today. I'll show you how or what happened on his way to heaven. I showed them in the first service. Okay, I'll show you first. Then I'll tell you something and then we close. Go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Read the entire chapter when you get home. But for my time, I'll read just a few verses. I have seven minutes. John chapter 20. The first day of the week, cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. This was Resurrection Sunday. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they've taken him. Peter therefore went forth, and the other, that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together. And the other disciple did outrun Peter. The guy ran faster than Peter. I don't know why the, the Holy Ghost made us see that. 
and then came first to the sepulchre. And he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet it went not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulchre, and said, the, 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 the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together carefully in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that they must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own home. They came, they saw, and they went back home. According to Jewish scholars, that napkin that was wrapped carefully by itself, they said when a rich man is eating, is dining with his family, and he gets up from the dining, as a sign that he's not yet done, he will wrap the napkin in a special way, a particular way, and then will go. That means that he's coming back, and he's coming to resume eating his food. So the waiters have to do their due diligence to wait because the man will come back. That's the sign of the napkin. When Jesus rose from the dead, the napkin they used to wrap his face when they, you know, tried to bury him, went to, you know, put his body in the sepulchre, he wrapped the napkin and put it by the side. A sign that I am coming again. Can I have an amen to that? So don't lose hope because he's coming back again. That day will come. When we will have to leave this temporal home for our eternal home. Be encouraged. Go on. Move on. Don't quit. Keep walking by faith. Things may, may not be working in the natural right now, but they will work eventually. And again, this life is a temporal one. The eternal one is still coming. Don't live for this life alone. Don't live like everything ends here. Don't get yourself involved in illegal activities. Don't get yourself involved in ungodly company. Stay away from them. Stay away from people that will drag you to hell. Because the real one is coming. This is not our permanent home. This is not our permanent address. A day is coming that we're going to go home to be with the Lord forever. I don't want to be in the kind of eternity where I will wake up and Christ will not be there. There is an eternity where there is no Christ. A Christless eternity it is called. That is place is called hell. I don't want to wake up and see Satan, the devil. I hate him so much. He hates me so much. We hate each other. We both know that we know that we know we hate each other. He's tried to kill me about five times. He will keep trying. He will keep failing. I'm not going anywhere until I'm done. I hate him. And you know one of the reasons he hates me? When he binds people, I go there in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Set them free by the power of God. Because that's the mandate we have. I'm tying goats, you're untying them. So I'm going to go after you. That was the same thing he did with Jesus. He went after him. And killed Jesus. But had they known, <laughs> they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Because before they crucified him, it was only one Jesus in the world. But when Jesus resurrected, everywhere the devil turned, he was seeing Jesus. He looked at OJ, Jesus. David, Jesus. Yeshua, Jesus. Demilade, Jesus. Moriah, Jesus. Garlene. 
Betsy, Jesus. Your sister is calling. Praise Jesus. David, Jesus. Emmanuel, Jesus. Emmanuel, Jesus. Toby, Jesus. Fred, Jesus. Ijoma, Jesus. Everybody, Jesus. He's regretting it till tomorrow. Praise God. So this would be a good place to tie this up. So Mary, in verse 11, the disciple whom Jesus loved went back home. His name was John, but they called him John the Beloved. He was the one that wrote the book of Revelation. They couldn't kill that guy. When they were killing the disciples, they threw him in a pot of boiling oil. The guy would not roast. He was unroastable. Love is stronger than death. Took out his eyes, put him on the Isle of Patmos. Animals would not kill him. Instead of animals killing him, he got a revelation of Jesus there. But noteworthy was Mary Magdalene. Jesus cast out seven devils from this lady. These devils that tormented her all her young life, adult life, teenage life, CC life. No, many, many CCs are very beautiful. They are very fine. But if you know what some people carry, they are like an army barracks. The legion they carry. But Jesus didn't condemn them. And he's still not condemning anybody today. If anybody will surrender, it will help you to deal with the devils that are tormenting you. Mary Magdalene became a lover and a follower of Jesus. She went to the sepulchre. She cried. When the disciples went back home, she didn't go back home. She looked again. You know, when you, when you are really searching for something, you look. She looked again. Is, is he under the stone? Then she saw two angels. One by his head, where they put his body. And the other by his feet. They were keeping watch. The body was no longer there, but the angels were still there. Peter didn't see the angels. John the beloved didn't see the angels. But because Mary Magdalene stood, she saw. When you spend time in the presence of God, you will see the revelation that other people don't see. Revelation is not something you just catch watching Netflix. Spend time with the Lord. Amen? Finally, what happened? The angels told her, he's not here. And she turned back to go. Then she saw a man. Somebody said she saw a man. And she assumed that the man was a gardener. And she was crying. Give me that, that verse. And, and, and she weeped. And, and the man said, why are you weeping? And she said unto, unto the man, because my Lord is not here. They've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him. Go on. Go on. And then... And then verse 15, she didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto her, woman, why are you weeping? Who do you seek? And she supposing him to be the gardener said unto him, sir, sir, please, if you, if you have taken away my Lord, tell me where you put him and I will take him away. What do you want to do with the dead body? That's love. Most people run away from a dead body. Mary said, I want his dead body. I want, I want him. 
I will go and preserve his body and, and I will give him a decent burial. Where were the disciples who were fed with five loaves and two fishes? Where were the ones who saw the miracles? Everybody had gone back home. That's the way life is, though. The people you labor on, many times you labor, 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 you fast, you pray. Some of them turn out right and appreciate you. Some of them turn out not too right, not right at all. They backstab you. Don't kill yourself. Move on with life. The Holy Ghost gave me a message some time ago, reiterated it recently, and I'm going to preach it soon. It's a series titled Face Front. Let me tell your neighbor, say Face Front. It is not British English. Tell them, say it's not British English. And neither is it American English. It is Nigerian English. And it's a message for Nigerians, and it's a message for everybody across the globe. Face front. The Holy Ghost told me those words, and they've been a blessing to my life. You know, many times we're distracted. You care what this person is saying, what the person is saying. If you feed off the compliment of people, you will die of their criticism. But the day they compliment you, you take it with a pinch of salt. The day they criticize you, it won't matter. But you say, ah, until you are the best. Ah, oh, in the whole world, there's no one like you. You've touched my life. The way you blessed me. Ah, until you oh, oh. And then you go home, you can't sleep. Ah, oh, did you hear what that lady said about me? So I'm this good. Ah, hey, hey, me know the bad, though. Ah, alone, thank you. Three months down the line. So what, 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 what did you now do that? You're, you, you're now broadcasting to everybody. Hey, are you God? Or maybe they may not say it in your presence. They say it behind you. And the devil will ensure that you hear. That girl said that about me. Oh, my God. My God, I am not finished. I am not finished. Take everything people say with a pinch of salt. One of my mentors, if you write anything about him, he won't read it. Whether good or bad, he will not read it. He said the Lord instructed him, anytime they tell you there's a write-up about you, don't read it. You know why? Because if it's a good one and you read it, your head will be swelling. Like Gary Jebu. No, be so. Your head will be swelling. When they now write something negative, especially in this generation that has no respect, People write rubbish on social media about pastors, about churches, about men of God. What they don't know, they write. I beg you, church, don't join them. Because when their cane comes, they will be cane, though. The cane of a minister is not in the hands of the church members. That's why when they bring your minister's info, walk away. Don't just keep quiet. Walk away from them. Because the cane is coming. When Saul died, David mourned. He wrote a lamentation. He said, let it not be published in Gath. Gath was where Goliath was born. In Philistine, the land of the Philistines, there are about five lands of the Philistines. One of them was Ekron. One of them was Gath. He said, don't let them hear because they beheaded him. They messed Paul, Saul, rather, Saul up like he was not anointed. Your father's nakedness is not to be seen by you. You are not the one to be publicizing your leader's weakness, even if you happen to know it. And what do you know? You, even don't, you don't even know itself. 
And if you do know, you, it's not in your place to become a cordless microphone. Children don't honor their parents anymore. You know, that's my mommy. Oh, no. She talks too much. Ah, that's my mommy. Oh, no, no, no. I know children who have won their parents. Don't talk to Pastor Fred again. If, if you talk to Pastor Fred about this family again, and it's their cup of coffee, it is not mine. Because the mother thought, look, if I tell him he will do something, but they don't want to be disciplined. I already have more than enough people I'm, I'm dealing with. So even me, I don't want extra baggage. We live in a generation where some of you have become terrorists to your parents. You have become parents to your parents. They dare not tell you what to do. You tell them what to do. If you do that, you are not setting yourself up for the blessing. You are setting yourself up for the curse. Because it is not God's order. Don't change God's order. I beg you. Don't change it. Your parents talk to you, take their instructions. They are not to take your instructions. They may take your advice, but not your instructions. That's why I see some people are high flyers in life. And I, I've seen all kinds of people in my life. In the work of the ministry, some people just go from glory to glory to glory. They just fly high on the wings of obedience, on the wings of honor. But you see the disobedient and rebellious, they dwell in a patched land. Ask them. Life is not easy for them. Don't copy them. They may be driving a jeep, but life is, they are sweating inside the sea. You don't hear this every day, but I need to tell you now because we are talking about the blood. The blood works on the platform of obedience. Moses said to them, stay indoors. Don't go out. Anybody went out, they, they became barbecue. Don't join this unruly generation. Don't join them. Don't join them on Twitter to just talk anyhow. Don't join them. Don't join them. Don't join them. Mary so honored the Lord, she wanted even the body of the Lord. And guess what happened next? Verse 16. Jesus said unto her, Mary, and she turned herself and said unto him, Rabbi, Rabbi, which is to say master. Jesus must have called her in a special way, in the way that only he called her. <laughs> Somebody sent me a chat a few days ago. She's not been in church for some time. Said, Pastor, nobody has been calling me, calling me her name. Then she put me at the back. I won't tell you her name. So you don't persecute her. So that persecution does not start. Because if Pastor likes somebody, that person will be persecuted. I don't know why. But it happens. Say, nobody has been calling me like, my name is Fred now. Nobody has been calling me Fred me. Because that's what I call her. I have... Those who are close, at least close enough. I have some kind of pet names or the way I call your name. That was the same with Mary and Jesus. She didn't know it was Jesus. But the moment he called her the way he used to call her, she shouted, Rabbi! And guess what she was going to do? She was going to jump on his neck. Like when your dad goes to America for six months or two years and finally daddy shows up. Yeah! 
You will throw away your buffalo. Ah! You throw Zobo away. Daddy! If you have a good relationship with your daddy, oh. Those of you who are daughters, who have very healthy relationship, you know, because daughters and their daddy, only God knows that, that bond. Even my wife has been trying to find out, but she can't find out. See that my daughter, Ty! I came back home last night. I said, you guys, excuse me. I want to undress. I want to pray. She said, oh. And went down. And they were knocking at the door. Daddy, have you finished? I said, I want to pray. I want to pray with you. So I opened the door. I knelt down praying by the bedside. She came. I backed her. So she was on my back as I was praying. Only God understands that bond. The same with the son and their mothers under normal circumstances. Because some sons. When they show up like this, mother goes over the fence. Under normal circumstances. <laughs> Even bad boys, you don't you don't mess with their mom, eh? Ma mama, you feel abuse, baba, oh, yo, baba, you get as a but mama, hey, <laughs> you go see begge. Only God understands. Now, so this was Savior and Mary. Mary was not even a disciple. She was going to jump on his neck, and Jesus said, "Hey, don't touch me. If I were Mary, I'd be angry." Somebody has not seen you. Somebody has not seen you. They, they, say, they say you've died. I even actually saw that they killed you, but now you are alive. And I want to jump on you. Jesus said, because I have not yet ascended to my father. I am actually on my way. He had resurrected. He was on his way to heaven. He was taking his blood to heaven to go and pour it before the mercy seat seven times. So he said, now, go to my brethren quickly. Say to them, I ascend to my father and your father, my God and your God. Before that time, he never said, my father, your father, my God, your God. He said, my father, my God. But now, he said, my father becoming your father. My God, your God, my Abba, your Abba. Can I have an amen to that? Then he went to heaven and showed the father. Father, I died though. I didn't faint. I died. That's why I brought my blood. See my blood? And he poured it seven times before the mercy seat. All of this was, was foretold in Leviticus. Let me show you the last scripture. Luke 24 and verse 39. Then Jesus showed up again in the midst of the disciples. When he showed up, he said, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself. Handle me. The same Jesus that said, don't touch me. Now he says, touch me. Handle me and see. For his spirit has not flesh and flesh and I was looking for the word blood. Flesh and bones as you see me have. Jesus doesn't have flesh and blood anymore. He has flesh and bones. And running in his bones is the glory of the Lord. Amen. No more blood. He has shed that blood for our redemption. And now we have the victory through that blood. Can I have an amen to that? Stand on your feet, everybody. Glory be to God.